Hello, hello, my beloved drama listeners. In a first for the pod, it's just Connor right now. Are you gagged? Could you recognize my voice? Wait, if you did, DM me, because I really want to know if you know the difference between my voice and Dylan's, because I've always been kind of curious. Okay, anyway, so we've got a truly great episode coming up, but first, I want to sort of entice you to become a member of our Patreon, aka Patreon by Drama with Connor and Dylan McDowell. For just $5 a month, you'll support the podcast and get access to multiple bonus episodes, including reality show recaps, a Tony Nom breakdown, the Zoom of our chat with Jackie Cox, and more. Think exclusive merch, Instagram close friends access, all of it. Go to patreon.com slash the drama podcast and subscribe. You literally won't regret it. Okay, now on to the show. Press play, curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater. Pop culture, love, and life in New New York York City. City. I am Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. And it is our one-year anniversary. Yes. Oh, my God. We've been talking about the past. We've been reflecting all morning. Yes. And I just cannot believe that we have made it to this moment. A few seconds before we, you know, greeted our guests, we were talking about the first episode that ever came out. And I was like, do you even remember what you were feeling at the time? And, you know, of course, we were reflecting back then. It was in-person interviews. We would go to Shetler Studios. Yeah. One of us would always forget something, whether it be a computer charger or this. I feel like very sweaty. attacked right now. One of us being me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But it was always I remember so- being sweaty. I remember being so sweaty all the time. Always. Oh, In the dead of Shetler's winter. gone. <laughs> I know. So sad. Shout out to them. They were so nice to us. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. But can you believe it? I just remember being so anxious and thinking, this is recorded forever. And then I sort of just stopped thinking about that. I know. I, th- I stopped that too. And someone actually texted us today and they were like, oh my God, I'm listening to your episode from March you know, 6th. And you guys are talking about potentially having to work from home because of this coronavirus that people are freaking out about. And I was like, oh my God, it is like a time capsule. So if you were to yeah. go back and listen to that episode, we would be like, yeah, I don't know if it'll hit New York. Like, we'll see how it's going to go. It's mm. wild, but here we are. And I'm so glad that you really led the charge, Dylan. You really, oh my gosh. you and Maggie, our editor, truly have carried me along this ride, but it has been so fun. And I just want to give an on-air thank you to everyone who has helped, whether it be with a the theme song, graphics, helping us book guests. It has been a wonderful way to keep our love for the arts alive even more so during the pandemic. Yeah, and I mean, we've gotten to meet all of our heroes, our guests today included, and call them friends, which is like so wild. And the young stage door Sally's that we once were, <laughs> you know, they would never believe. You did they would not never believe. say stage door Sally. I did. <laughs> I did. This, it's, it's been an amazing time. And, and I feel in a great energy in the air for another reason. We have a new president, a new vice president-elect. I just feel something, spe- like since Saturday when this was all, you know, called by the news media, I have felt like the, there's a change in the weather. Mm-hmm. Things have just been, I, I feel hopeful. I feel free. I can only imagine what 
people who have truly felt the wrath of the last four years have are, are experiencing right now. I mean, the, we have, even though we're gay, we have privileges that many of our other friends don't. And it is just a, a, a weight lifted. It's, it's really, really special. And, um, Oh my gosh, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm tugging on the heartstrings right now and I'm, I'm getting choked <laughs> up, but I, I just, I feel like this next year as we head into 2021, it's, it's going to be finally some good after oh. everything that we've experienced. Hallelujah. From your lips to the, the world's ears for real. Let's go. Let's go. Right. And, and you, you know too, what? the podcast too. Yes. And we are celebrating with someone who we adore. We have been obsessed with for so long and I am excited to bring them in. Yes. Can I go, go for, for it, it, Connor? Yes, please All do. Right. Our guest today is the definition of star, a nominee for the Outer Critics Circle Award, Drama Desk Award, and yes, Tony Award for Best Featured Actress in a Musical for her role as Norma in Hands on a Hard Body, which she created on Broadway in 2013. In addition to being a recipient of a Theater World Award, our very special guest crossed over into international fame for playing Letty Lutz, the bearded lady in the Greatest Showman film, singing This Is Me among other songs. The song won the 2018 Golden Globe Award for Best Original Song and was also nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Song, for which our guest gave an unreal live performance at the ceremony. Before taking over the world, our guest toured the country as Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray and as Bloody Mary in South Pacific. Her Broadway debut came as Shirley in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, followed by starring turns in Les Miserables as Madame Thernadier and Waitress as Becky. She appeared in Rent Live on Fox, Ricky and the Flash, Tadra Calls Forbidden, Jesus Christ Superstar, and more. Her debut EP, Chapter One, is available now. We are thrilled to have this powerhouse icon with us to celebrate one year of the podcast. Please welcome to drama, Heyala Soto. Thank you. It's all true. It's all true. Thanks, you guys. Uh, hi welcome to the pod we are so thrilled we've already been having a great time chatting before recording i and literally was going is this on yet <laughs> started spewing things and was going hey let's oh, hi, 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 hi. i love it's been it an instant it's been instant fun it feels like such a celebration and um we are just so thankful that you agreed to do this you have no idea what you've gotten yourself into i don't but that's fine you don't know what you've gotten yourself into <laughs> and i'm sorry ahead of time but i'm very very happy to to be talking to other people and not sitting and looking at the wall in my home so thank you for reaching i love out. it of course you know, we've got to ask you, are you, are you well? Are you doing well? Like we, we were kind of touching upon some big topics in our little intro, but yeah, I know how you you're know, doing. Well, well, it's a very general, generalizing term in these, in these latter days, if you will. Uh, <laughs> but physically, yes, I am well and I'm grateful for it. Um, I live in an area of Southern California where it's um, trying, uh, but uh, I do the best that I can. And fortunately, up to this point, it's been well more than enough. And I'm very, very grateful for that. I'm happy for that. Um, yeah. And I have a puppy that I walk every morning about an hour and a half. Her name is Izzy. She's a two-year-old uh, mini Bernadoodle. Oh and my if you're thinking about Minnie as Minnie, that's not a Minnie. Um, <laughs> because Bernie's Mountain Dogs and Standard Poodles are not small. 
They're oh also not medium. They're really, really large dogs. So if you cut those dogs in half, that's a mini. <laughs> and um, that's my little nugget that I have. And right now she's bored to tears and sleeping on my bed. Good. At least she's not going crazy. Our dog, we have a, a, I guess she's five months old now, Connor. Her name's well, she's five months old. She's five months old. Yeah, she is, she is a spitfire. What kind of dog? She, she's a mutt. We, um, we're pretty sure she's Beagle and Australian Shepherd. <gasps> wow. I know. She's so cute, but she is from 8 a.m. until 9.30 p.m. a hellion. Just running. Just so you know, she's a little oh. baby. She's, she's a little baby. baby. And she's got a little bit of that Australian Shepherd in her. So. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. She gets bored with everything. <laughs> Like we have the toys are constant. It's been crazy. But is has, yeah. has he been good? Yeah, I mean, yes. During these times, ironically enough, yes. And to be fair to her, she, I'm never home in the U.S. Yeah. ever. And this has been the first time in a long time that I've been home for longer than a period of maybe two months max. Oh. And when even when I am home, I'm not home. I had the opportunity to be working or doing other things or helping in any other way. And, um, but because of the pandemic, um, I don't, I'm unable to have that or do that. And that's one of the biggest, um, greatest things that I've had is being able to, um, have a relationship with my dog. I know that's (laughs) random, but again, and it goes back to the point of, you know, the question that you asked, are you well? And I have through so many things as we've all witnessed, unless you're very much asleep for a very long time and which is fine. Uh-huh. Clearly you needed the rest. For yeah, a little right. jealous, yeah. Um, and that's okay. But there's so much has happened during this time, not only to our country, but to the human condition as a whole throughout this planet. And so to have my dog here, to sort of revisit or actually visit for the first time who I actually am because I've never had a chance to do that. And with my dog, um, I've been able to, and I've learned how to love her and in turn begun to learn what it means to actually love oneself. I can't even say me, but yeah, that. Oh my gorgeous. And it's one of the biggest, it's one of the greatest gifts that I've received. And she does nothing but stare at me all day. She's I, I call her an Easter egg because you know, you know the um the TV show, the how the the haunted how the hill house. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just watched oh, yeah. it. Yes. Watched it. The Haunted Hills House or whatever, Mike Flanagan and then yeah. Blind Manor. The way he films, he has all these hidden things within his um, shots. There's no sound at all, but there's hidden things, which we call in the industry Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. So when I turn a corner, all I see is like maybe a side of her face that just (laughs) scares me. And she's, she's almost jet black. She's actually tricolor, but there's little bits and pieces of white, like white on her tail, but she's for the rest of her, it's jet black. And she doesn't make a noise. So I have to have like a jingle collar around her. And the floor in my home is the color of espresso. So I, every now and then, if she's right next to my feet, I'll accidentally step on her foot and just feel her whelp and go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But I call her Easter egg because she just stares at me from like any corner of the room. I'll look up and she's literally just staring at me from way, way far in the distance. And I'm like, (laughs) 
oh my God, I feel like I'm on set right now. Like <laughs> nonstop. You've got a stalker. Yeah, she literally, she's a stalker. <laughs> and I remember talking to some friends of mine, talking to Jackie Arnold. I don't know if you know her. Um, oh, she's, yeah, she's, she's in Moulin Rouge. Yes, she, I've known her for decades as well. She, um, she and I and Stacey McCleskey, Anna Stacey McCleskey, we all did Hairspray on tour in, okay. its, in its inception. So we've remained fast friends and sisters throughout all this. I've asked her and her wife, Shannon. I've asked my friends, Sarah Jenkins and Andrew Breedis, because they all own dogs. And I'm going, guys why is my dog staring at me? And every, every single time they tell me, Kayla, she loves you. That's mm. why. And so I've leaned into that and understood what that means for her. And in turn learned so much about myself. Oh, so when you so ask beautiful. me if I'm well, yes, today. Oh, yes. I, am, oh, I can I feel love it. that. I That's love so that. beautiful. Is she named Izzy because of the Grey's Anatomy character, Izzy? No, I'll tell you actually who she's named after. There is a woman that works in IA uh, through hair and makeup. Her name's Isabel Decover. She originally is from Hawaii, but made her way to New York and transitioned from being a performer working into hair and makeup. And she was doing hair and makeup on Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And she was, and Izzy was my saving grace because she was a bit of home for me, yeah. a bit of Hawaii that I needed being in a, that show was hard. That, that wardrobe department was open 8 a.m. to midnight, seven days a week at that theater. They had no life because of the upkeep of those costumes. And so, um, it was just a really hard show, but so much fun because it was so hard. Jackie and Stacy were in that show as well. Yes. And so um, Izzy was my, was my piece of home that I had. And she was, I was one of hers that she had to look after throughout the show. Okay. And um, I, I just, I admire her strength and her resilience and her willingness to, again, be something that I've been promoting this past year. Just be yourself. And I can't even do that. But for her, but for her to me, that's what she was to me. And so when I got this dog, I, it just made sense to me to name it after her because oh. she, she, she inspires me. What a beautiful tribute. Yeah. I love it. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah. We want to, we want to talk about all the different points of your career. Cause like I said, we've been obsessed for years, but we kind of want to go back to the beginning first. Um, and I'll let Connor yes. ask the question. Well, we like to ask all of our guests about that moment when they, you know, maybe saw a film or read a book or saw a performance and they thought, wow, I really want to be involved in the arts in some way, whether it be singing, acting, you know, performing, whatever it could be. We call it a ring of keys moment. Do you feel uh, like you had that moment? Um, yes. And it wasn't like that, but <laughs> it'll be really cool to tell you. Okay, um, <laughs> so my nationality is my mother uh, was from New Zealand. She's a native New Zealander. She's a Maori. And my father is from England. So he's British to the core. And they were married in Hawaii because my father was going to university there on a student visa. And our family began, and I was the first of that family. And those cultures are so completely different. And then you put them in an American culture, and you breed bipolar disorder. 
Let's just get that straight. You just breed it because all three of those cultures, they don't go by the wayside. Mm-hmm. In, in, in the Polynesian culture, the heritage is so rich with who you are, what your roots are. Um, and there is prejudice on that side. So there's racism on that side. There's a lot of hurt and anger towards the westernization of those cultures from the British side. And then there is also what we are now facing, not even now facing, now recognizing that some of us have faced for a long time and those before us. So my childhood was very weird and, and I'm actually very grateful. It's probably my saving grace that I don't remember a lot of it because of how bizarre it was. But I do remember singing ever since I could remember. Um, I would sing, I would sing harmonies with Mr. Bubble commercials and anything that was on television (laughs) and it would freak my mother out. And so she, as soon as she could, um, she bought a VCR and then at the same time, because VCRs came out, I think, just after this had happened, the Disney company had come out with a channel called the Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. And she was like, we're getting cable and we're getting that channel. <laughs> she's not watching MTV. She's not watching VH1. She's not doing any of those things, which I did anyway, so it didn't matter. Of course. Um, like at 2 in the morning, I would sneak over and just turned it to like 11 or 12, whatever it was on the rotary team. <laughs> None of the people listening to this will know what the hell I'm talking about as far as <laughs> either you two but that's okay um so i would turn the knob to get to whatever uh, station um but i was brought up on these disney films because and i would sing the songs the sherman brothers music that was written in them oh, yeah. and, and when it when the channel first went on it brought all of these old wonderful world of disney things that came back and all this music and all this dancing and everything and i that's when i started I would find Betty Grable movies and I would find any musical on film that I could watch over and over and over again. And I would take that VCR and take one of my brother's basketball tapes and would be like, he doesn't need to see this game, put it in, record over the entire thing, um, all these movies. And then I would play them back and those would be my tap classes. Mm. Those would be the things that I would sing to over and over again. I also had a mother who, excuse me, was very musical in the sense that she was a pop singer. Right. She was in a band. She was in a family. She came from a family of 16 in New Zealand. And the first wow. five or six brothers in her family created a band. And she was the lead singer of that band for many years in New Zealand. And so she was already a pop singer. So it became, it, the whole family does in, right now, just so you know. We all yeah. have that capability. And um, so all of that was already ingrained in me, but I didn't want to do that. Oh. I wanted to do what they were doing because that looked so fun. And they were so happy. They probably got, they did real good on them movies back then. Them 20th century people, they got it right. Um, so <laughs> back then, um, cause they're not here anymore. Anyway, um, they, um, I'm just going to put that on the side, you know, uh, but I would watch that. And those were my teachers over and over and over again. And by the age of like eight or nine, my mother, my poor mother who wanted me to live a life she wanted me to live said, you'll never be an actor. And I said, that's all you had to say. Bye. Uh-huh. That was my moment. That was my moment. Wow. I have chills. How powerful. 
She said, you can't be, you cannot, that is not what you're supposed to do. And I said, okay, goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) At the age of eight. I remember writing it in my journal and just being so upset about it that I was like, just keep telling me, just keep telling me I can't do it. Just keep doing it because I need the fuel. I need as much as I possibly can. I went into Shakespeare classes because I loved it so much. I love the art of storytelling, which is what we do in the Polynesian culture. We already do that. That's how we pass on stories from those that went before us. And so the art of storytelling was already in my body and in my system, which is why I loved to sing. But I didn't want to do it because my mother was making me do it. Mm. So I said, leave me alone. I'm going way, way far away from where you would ever show up. Thank you, goodbye, <laughs> don't touch me. So yeah, I, I did that to, so in spite of her. And in, to spite her, this is what it's given me, mm. ironically enough. And in her passing, which she, she passed away five years ago, in her passing, I have sort of um, reassessed all of that with so much more that's added onto that. But that specifically, um, because for a long time, I could not accept any positive coming from it because it was so much a survival kit for me. Mm-hmm. And then in these last five years, specifically um, with The Greatest Showman, I had to actually understand that the opportunity I was given was so strong and intense that there was no way that I could avoid it because I mm-hmm. was avoiding it. And there were millions of people coming to me and saying, you've changed my life. And I wanted to go jump off a cliff because I was petrified. Mm. Wow. And so it took me these last five years when all of this happened, specifically in this last year through the pandemic, because I had to figure out again, my dog, to mm-hmm. figure out, let's, you have to look after yourself because nobody else will. And you, you need to want to. Right. Those, other, those old days are over. You need to want to. You need to wake up every morning and say, I don't know what's happening. I don't know where we are in this country or this world, but I'm alive and you have to rejoice in that. You have to mm. somehow, some way. And it's an honest rejoicing and an honest and a pure love of that that I had to find. And I continue to find every day. And I know it's brand new and it may be brand new for millions of other people, but it exists and the fact that we're able to now tap into it and be afraid and then move past it and keep tapping into it and keep tapping into it with the knowledge that as we've already lived it the day before and we made it through, we survived saying, I love myself. Oh God, oh God, oh God. You woke up, you're still there. And guess what? You can still feel that. That's brand new to me and I love that. So when you ask me, I'm like, well, (laughs) yes. Oh, I love it. I'm thinking about like other, you know, people who really do preach this idea of, you know, positively preach this idea of loving yourself first and taking care of yourself first, like Brené Brown, you know. Fucking Whitney, can I swear? Oh, well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking Whitney Houston, her first Mm -hmm. damn song. Come on, man. Yes. Yes. If she was alive, she'd probably be saying the same thing too. You ha- nobody will do it except you. Mm-hmm. Nobody. And when you realize that, there's a mourning that happens in a way mm. because you have to understand what you've accepted as what you thought was love and it's not. And then you have to sort of turn that in some way, again, into fuel to say, okay, so that's it. All right. So I, there's something in me that, or something in you or me that has to go, okay, get up, get up, get up, get up, mm. get up. I mean, I wrote a song about it 
that right. I released um, uh, last year. Day, right? No, before that, there was a song okay. called Harder that I wrote oh, yes. for um, Suicide Prevention Week just because um, I had come out of a therapy session. We all need free health care for um, mental health uh, issues. I'm just saying. We do. Especially now. Especially now. Um, I came out of a therapy session and it was during the week of um, uh, suicide prevention or the month, I should say. And I thought, went to the studio and they're like, what should we write about? And I said, you know what? Let's write about these moments that I had and maybe somebody else can relate. Let's just, let's, let's see. And that song came out of it. It's a gorgeous song. I, I love that you're releasing music. I mean, I mentioned chapter one, but you also have uh, other songs that you've released specifically about your mom and sort of this experience yeah. that you've talked about here. Yeah. And, oh, it is absolutely oh, yeah. gorgeous. That song is a perfect example of it. That was actually, there's a true story, which is the whole first verse. Remember the uh -huh. time she chased me out to the stage. I just turned 14. She did. She was, I, I arrived in t-shirt and shorts. I was supposed to sing Mariah Carey's I Don't Want to Cry. And in our hometown, um, there's a place called the Polynesian Cultural Center, which is like a sort of like a, um, a tourist, <laughs> it's a tourist trap. Um, <laughs> it's basically like Polynesian Disneyland with no rides. And then everybody goes home. But when everybody goes home at nine o'clock, the rest of the town um, comes alive and wakes up because we've been working all day for the tourists. Uh -huh. yeah. And when that's done, then we can enjoy ourselves. And the way we used to do that growing up is we used to throw numerous musical concerts because so many people sing in the Polynesian culture. So mm. many, because that, again, that's how they tell their stories. That's how they pass information on from generation to generation to generation. So they're in touch. They know, they know. And so, I had shown up because my mother made me. I was 14 and I showed up in a t-shirt and shorts and flip-flops because that's how you dress in Hawaii. Just so you guys know when you're like <laughs> a high school kid, you don't care. You don't care. You really don't care. A case in point. Um, I mean, I love you guys, but case in point. Um, <laughs> but um, so she brought this dress and she was like, get over here. And I was running away from her and she tackled me pulled the dress over my t-shirt and shorts. She had a pair of heels for me to wear. I kicked my slippers off my flip-flops and was running through these two tunnels that um, performers for the night show that happens mm -hmm. go in and out of. That's our ex, like sort of like a bomb situation. Mm -hmm. In and out, in and out. I ran down that tunnel and she was throwing those high heels at my head. I ran out to the stage in the dark and then the lights went on. I was like, I got off shoes. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't, <Wow>. I <laughs> but that's an actual true story. That's a true story. That's amazing. It feels like it's on it from a TV show or something. I know. And so many people are like, girl, you need to write a book. And I'm like, girl, it's still happening. I'm not dead yet. That's the problem. <laughs> That's like Mariah, Mar Mariah Carey. Speaking of Mariah Carey, she just released a book. And I guess she, I didn't read it yet. I have it. I'm oh so God. afraid to read it. I'm so afraid to read it. She, because I, because I'm already crying for the state mm. of our country right now. But so anything else that kind of touches anywhere near that, I'm like, Ooh, let me just take a break real quick <laughs> before I get there. 
when she came out, I wanted to know her so much because she was the only, to me, the only other performer that was a mixed race performer. Right. And the words she was writing, if people go back to what she was writing originally, um, even during the break off from her first husband, Tommy Mottola, mm-hmm. you, if you're able to connect in any way with words like that, she's the one that inspired me in so many ways to write music. Oh. Um, she, uh, because I've been writing since I was like 14, 15 years old, but I wow. never wanted my mom to hear it because I didn't want her to be like, oh, you won. So I always hit <laughs> it. Right, right. That's the other thing too is I've always tried to hide as much as I can. Um, mm. total I am the stereotype hiding because I don't want anybody to pay I don't want anybody to pay attention so it, which I'm, I'm working on a therapy it's fine right um, but it's I'm I'm excited to read her book but I'm also so scared and I'm afraid because I don't know how much of it I'll really how much of it I'll relate to if that makes any mm. sense oh totally totally when you when People get together from different cultures because it is exciting. And when you think about it in general, to be able to combine cultures is one of the most beautiful things in the world. When those moments Mm -hmm. exist and they happen and they intertwine and everybody feels the differences and the similarities and in those moments understand truly what the human condition is, there's so much more of that that gets lathered on because those cultures they're so different try to coexist mm-hmm. together and in some ways they can't and we only recognize that through living our life or lives i should say and trying to make that happen in any way possible but again i think that's what's so great about living within the human condition it's just making sure that everyone stays alive <laughs> and mm-hmm. nobody gets upset or no you know that I, I i just i pray for that i pray for that every damn day um but yeah that's i think a lot of a lot of what i do is from in here it always has been it's always been in, from inside of me and and in a hope that somebody else will go i know just that alone, even though I know theoretically, of course they know. No, nobody's this, nobody. Everybody knows this. They're just hiding it. That's okay. Everybody <laughs> knows it. It's okay. But just even then, I still put out as much as I can from inside, just to hear the first person go, "I know." Mm. I get it. Gosh, forget the meaning of Mariah. This is the meaning of Kayala. No, shut up. No, please. Yes, no, yes. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Please go get that book, please. And thank you. And also, yes, buy a case of tissues. Well, however you can get it. Go. I haven't even read it yet. And I already have my tissue boxes ready. I already got I my tissue it. boxes ready. Well, listen, so, speaking of a case of tissues, we have got to talk about, I feel like I've actually cried watching most of the things you've done, Kayla, because all right. I specifically, <laughs> and this actually ties in with the relationship between a daughter and her mother, but I can vividly remember seeing Waitress in the summer of 2016, and I sobbed, cried my eyes out completely, completely, completely. I'm just curious, what was the experience of doing Waitress like for you? Um, a piece that is, I think, one of the most emotional musicals I've seen in years, and I didn't expect it to be so to the heart. It was, it was, and it was emotional. It was one of the most emotional 
um, shows that I've ever been a part of in so many ways, in so many ways. There were so many, because we, it's me specifically, there was so much um, raw humanity coming out and it was coming from everyone because this was the, it was sort of this first time that we were all in this room together, all of us women, and sort of venturing out into this field, which was so touchy and so specific and so precious and yet so violating, if that makes any sense. So I know for me, and at that time, not for nothing, when we were doing the out of town, my mother was dying. Mm. Okay, Um, right, because you said it was five years ago. Yeah, that my mother was dying. Um, And she was the first time in her life, because usually she had asked me, not asked me, she told me, she never asked me to do anything, she told me. God love her. (laughs) She, um, She told me to always stay and not come back. Don't come back home. Do not come back here. Stay out there. Um, And it was the first time those last two months, which happened to be our rehearsal and uh, tech and previews and opening of that show in out of town in Cambridge that she was dying and said, will you please come home? Mm. And then I would say, okay. And she goes, "Never mind. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just stay there. And then she just stopped asking altogether. And Yeah. So for me specifically, I was dealing with that because I was only doing all of this for her. Again, as you have heard, if, if you're tracking, for those of you who are tracking the conversation, right. I'm doing all of this to spite her and have discovered that people are like, yeah, you want to do this too? You want to say, oh, okay, but just, I, I can't tell you this, but I'm doing this to spite my mom. But yeah, sure, we can do this. Um, uh, so she's passing away. She passed away on opening night. And um, uh, this is probably the second time I've talked about it. And there were a lot of family issues going on, obviously. To this day, there still are. And someday, well, maybe we won't, but I know that I've started to put it to rest. So moving from that point on, there was a lot of, for me, a lot of rawness that Mm -hmm. had not been addressed. There was a lot of me going, I don't want to be in this anymore. (laughs) I don't want to play this anymore. I'd like, maybe I'll go be Brad or something, you know? (laughs) So we're in the show, but then looking at the show as a whole and realizing, it was sort of like the Liz Calloway baby moment. Oh, yes. When she thinks the story goes on, if that (sighs) makes any sense. Oh, 100%. That's (laughs) what everything changes has always been for me is to realize that no matter what happens in your life, life continues. And in those moments, and I say nanoseconds, in those nanoseconds, when we're portraying moments like those, it's so important to remember that that is what we're here for. All of this happens, you know, you know, abuse and neglect and stuffing everything down just as again to keep calm and carry on we've been doing it for four years keep calm and carry on you know <laughs> four years guys um, and uh so when we finally get to those moments well it gives us levity we're we're silently allowed uh to breathe that levity in and to react accordingly to get to those moments is very hard. Mm-hmm. So yes, as much as that show was so incredible and such a life 
life-changing experience for not only you as an audience, but for us as a cast. Um, it was very important. And it still is. I think it very much still is, regardless of, you know, who, you know, who, who's producing it? Who's doing this? It's always the story. It will always be the story. That is the most important. Mm-hmm. Always, 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 always. And it is. So from Waitress, which, I mean, I didn't plan it, is absolutely phenomenal. I just, my only wish for that show is you had another Sarah, song. Sarah, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Bareilles. That's all I'm going to say. Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. <laughs> she's on, she's next level. I, I in a year where Hamilton Talk about storytelling. You want to talk about storytelling? That's storytelling. That is, that is someone who can, oh, I, I, when I heard her sing, the first time she used to be mine, I said, does anybody need a tree holder for this event? I will take base pay, ensemble pay, whatever it is, I'd like to hold a tree because of that song, that song. It was such, and in those, in that, in all of that, it was such a love letter to those who do tell stories and also the story in and of itself. She's incredible. So sorry. I just, oh, no, no, no. You, you said it. She is beyond incredible. Yeah. The way yeah. she was able to tailor every single song specifically she to each character. To, again, oh. because it comes from a place in her. That's, yeah. that's instilled in her. What ha- whatever has happened in her and in her life, mm-hmm. how she was raised, that has come from all of that. It's rooted in that. And that's why those stories are incredible. Every song. I mean, song. Jesus, the first song, I'm not going to write you a love song. Bitch. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Bitch. That's how you flip off the music industry. Yes. Oh, oh incredible. <laughs> and another one who has just, she's just got the best book. I mean, her, first, her story so far is in a book form now. Oh, for okay. Years now, I haven't read it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love it. It is. Yeah. So, so you went from Waitress and then did Greatest Showman come from that experience or was that sort of in no, the works? um we started working on the greatest show on earth which is what it was originally called oh wow um, 2014 okay um we started workshopping it then um they were workshopping uh lyricists and composers they were workshopping the script in and of itself where it where it would go i mean they were to be fair they were workshopping that shit like till the day we got on set <laughs> because it, things were, it, everything was changing. The world was changing. I mean, that was 2016 was the, when we started doing rehearsals, the day, the election back then we had to go in and do two press events, which I didn't know about. One of them was to do the finale, which is from now on. And mm-hmm. they asked me if you, I would sing, this is me. And I said, absolutely not. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> not today. <laughs> because I need to go watch Hillary Clinton um, mm-hmm. gracefully say, I'm stepping down. I'll be right with you. And I'm pretty sure you won't see the rest of your cast either. Right. <laughs> Just so you know, we're all going to be in another room bawling and watching all of this happen. Yes. Um, yes. That was so, um, it, it was about a two year process for me. It's, it was longer for Hugh and, and uh, Michael Gracie and everybody else because it was their project. It was their labor of love. But I did, um, meet him on that project. I didn't know it was his until he walked into the, the actual day of the workshop. Cause we had been rehearsing up until that day. Never saw okay. him, whatever. He didn't have to be there because we were all, it was a bunch of us like me, Ben Thompson. Hell yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, Carrie Malalakas, Lauren Allred. Oh, Natalie Weiss. 
Andrew Keenan Bolger in there? Yes, he was at one point. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Because yeah. we prompt them. Um, then there, I mean, there was such a like a mix up of so many people in that. Um, and it over the two years we did, we ended up doing, yeah, we did two readings, and the second one is the one that has been on YouTube, whatever. Yes, that's uh-huh. also ironically enough. I was going in between buildings from Ripley Greer to across the street to the other Ripley Greer, maybe. Is that what that is? Oh, I thought like 41st. Is that like all the way down there? No, I'm 36. Pearl Studios? Pearl. That was going from between Pearl Studios and Ripley Greer. Mm-hmm. Because on one side, we were doing the first uh, day of waitress rehearsals. Oh. The first day, like it was, hi, we're here, we're going to Broadway. Then I would go, when's lunch? Take my folder and go to the other side of the street to go learn all these new songs and this new script for um, Shaman. Wow. I was going back and forth those days. Um, But yeah, it just, it was, it took two years and I was doing Les Mis at the time. And then I ended up having an opportunity to do Waitress and, um, and then I left Waitress because they had said, we need you here. And so we, it, it, and it was really messy and I feel bad about it, even though it wasn't my fault, but it, it, <laughs> I felt very bad about it um, because I, at the time for about two and a half, maybe two, two and a half months, maybe two, two months, I'll just say two months. I actually would wake up, go straight to dance rehearsals in Dumbo, oh. choreography rehearsals. And then we would uh, record just like demo tracks to dance to. And then I would leave there at six, get on the train from Dumbo and go straight to Broadway to go be on stage. To be Becky. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, you know, that was my, that's, that was my uh, priority. Yeah, that, yeah. that was first and foremost until they had said, we have to get you out of here. We need to work some stuff out. And, you know, it's, it's I'm very grateful, very grateful. So fucking grateful. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was rough and I'll take, I would do it all over again, you know, but yeah, it's, it happened before then. And it sort of kind of mold over. I didn't really believe Hugh when he gave me a hug that thing. He was like, Oh my God, you just booked a job. I'm all, I don't believe you, but okay. I actually remember saying that. So was this the day, this was the, um, the reading that's on YouTube, the, where yeah. I sob every time I watch it, where you take his hand during the end of this. Is yeah, it was very scary. It was a very, it's extremely scary moment. Like, I mean, I'm sure if you've been, though, for those of you who have been tracking the podcast, um, <laughs> those times back then were very scary for uh, Keila Seattle. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, she was, um, I, I had no foundation anymore. I had nobody to actually be spiteful to, which is then when I realized mm. I had to go, oh, you need to start liking yourself because that game's over. That game's yeah. way over. So that's where it started. And fortunately, some people have therapists. I had a, t- I had a movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I had Hugh Jackman. He's terrible, by the way. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I had his wife, his family, like helping me and basically the whole country of Australia and, and the UK trying to push me through. And you had Zendaya and her soothing, soothing energy. Let me just tell you, she's 85 years old. She's my grandmother. I love her. I love her. 
I love her so much because you talk about someone who will absolutely be what she is, not what you think she is at all times, in all things, and in all places. Mm. And it's full of love. It's full of giving. And it's full of humility, full of humility. That woman, now she's a woman, oh my God! That woman will never forget where she has come from, from her roots in uh, Oakland, California. She'll never forget. And everybody that has brought her up, she takes everybody, as as many people as she can with her. She's so, truly is, truly is inspiring and so humbling. humbling. I love to hear that. I'm obsessed with her. Oh, she's, she's just, she's probably wearing the same pair of jeans that has about 72 holes in them. And, (laughs) you know, she's just that person with socks in her slippers that she's wearing, like her little flip flops. Yeah. She's probably like granny shoes. She's probably, it's because it's cold guys. It's cold. (laughs) Um, Yeah. She's, she's just wonderful. She's so wonderful. She's so wonderful. And I'm so uh, grateful to know her and everything that's happening with her, which is again, talk about someone who also has stories. Again, mm-hmm. you can, you can sense the storytellers because what has happened in their lives, what you don't know is you're getting just a small snippet of that mm. through the character that they've been given to tell the story. Yeah. Wow. I love to hear that. When you, when you first heard, this is me, what, what did you think? I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, fun. And have, good luck with Bye. that. Bye. <laughs> I'm just going to wow. get my chair and go sit over here, over in the alto section. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I did up until the day of, and the choir said, Callie, you can't sit with us. <laughs> Literally, you can't sit with us. Yeah, you can't sit with us. You have to go sing in the front. You can't sit with us. Um, and then Michael was like, Kelly, you can't sit with us. <laughs> and he was like, babe, you can't sit with him. You got to sit at the table. I'm like, you just had surgery on your nose. Go fuck yourself. That's right. <laughs> just like Jeremy Jordan on You standby. can't sing, you idiot. Yeah. You're a dummy because you got surgery today. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, it. uh I said no. I said no. Um, and I had heard the music and I was like, oh my God, this is Shoshana. Who, of course, everybody, we know, I know her. I know her from Hairspray Days. Thumbs up yeah. freaking Shelly, guys. Yes. Yes, Thumbs of course. Thumbs up Shelly's <laughs> second understudy to Tracy Tugboat too. Right. <laughs> um, and I was like, this is beautiful. Why don't you call her? Because she's amazing. And Benjamin, and Justin, God bless them. They're like, no, you're going to sing it. Let's go. Just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I was petrified, man. So petrified. So petrified. I mean, think about it. When someone says, I don't know if you even know what that, f- you probably do. There are moments in your life where someone, everybody opens a door mm-hmm. that you have never, ever, ever wanted to go through out of fear, out of just fear because everything else branches off of that fear of not being handled properly fear of being, you know, gawked at fear of, um, 
fear of people loving you and you don't know what to do with it, fear of all of those things. So just imagine someone opening a door like that and you're just crippled with fear. That's what it felt like for two years. Wow. I can't imagine. That is... And I'm sure everybody, for those of you who have been listening, I'm sure everybody is like, oh, how dare you, you whiny little bitch. It's, I mean, I, I can't even knock it. I can't even knock it. Why am I crying about it? Because I was so afraid. I was, mm-hmm. petri- I was sore afraid. I was so petrified. I mean, I can only imagine, because there's, there's sort of like myth now around the Oscars performance that you had just recovered from. Uh, a stroke. Yes, a stroke. Oh my yeah, gosh. I'll show, I'll show you. So for, for those of you who are tracking the podcast, this yeah. is actually a Zoom call. So That's unfortunately right. you won't see this. However, I will explain it as I show it to the lovely um, Dylan and Connor. Here we go. <laughs> so the week, the weekend before the Oscars, I went in to do something that the Oscars had wanted me to do to prep for the live production. And they were like, okay, you need to break down. And I was like, I got that. Uh, because I'm broke and I've been all over the world, gratefully promoting this show. I'm sick as a dog and I can't, it's hard to enjoy it because of how tired I am mm-hmm. and I'm eating cigarettes because that's all I have money for. Mm-hmm. And even I'm not buying them. I'm getting them from people who are getting them for me. Um, so I walk in and they're like, we need to have a, you know, break down. So they, asked, you know, is there a song you want to play? Again, there is a song that Mariah Carey wrote on an album as things were happening in her life. Um, oh, frick, I forgot what it's called. You look at me and see the girl who lives inside a golden world, but don't believe that's all there is to see. They'll never know the real me. That's the first verse. And it talks about her. That's why I don't want to read the book. I'm not ready. It's fine. I have the book. I bought it. I bought it, Mariah. Miss Carrie, I bought the book. I actually said, side note, I actually said, because I was going to walk away from Broadway, I was like, y'all, if y'all do Hercules or you do a musical that's got Mariah Carey music in it, I'm singing back up. You call me then because I'm leaving. Um, that was back in 2006. Wow. Those days, that person. Anyway. Um, so I, there, it just, it goes on. Don't say she takes it off for granted. I'm well aware of all I have. It's just all these assumptions that come at you when the door opens, mm-hmm. but you aren't even allowed to say stop please wait wait this isn't normal just so you know i'm grateful to have this opportunity but listen to what i'm sharing which is i'm trying to make sure that everybody knows that you can be who you are in a world where you can't be who you are that listen to those layers but i can i couldn't do that you know what I mean? Yeah. So as the song was playing, I broke down. <laughs> Duh. So I'm breaking down in front of camera. Um, it felt like an egg pop. I was frying on the top of my head right here. And um, I first felt it in my tongue. It felt like a line was drawn down the middle of my tongue. 
And then it slowly went to my arm and I tried to lift my arm to my face because I was crying and I only had one arm moving. So I had to lift this arm with my other arm. Then I had to figure out how to speak because my, I was gone. Oh. And the, it was, I'm sure they still have this footage because this was filmed. Um, and I finally found a way to say, stop. Um, you'd be surprised at how hard that is to say when you only have one side of your tongue mm. or your face. And um, I just let out a moan because I didn't know what to do. I just screamed. I had no idea what to do. Um, I couldn't stand. Uh, so anyway, long story short, I had a transient ischemic attack at TIA. Um, mm-hmm which they found out is actually a predecessor to a disease called Moya Moya. I've heard of Moya Moya. You're joking. TIAs, I think, I think that's what they're called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the only, and those that's are 15, was. anywhere from 10 to 20 minute strokes mm-hmm. that you're able to, co- sometimes able to come out of and yes. even fewer times regain everything. Yeah. Which, if for me, in the space of 15, 20 minutes, it did. It all came back. All of it came back. Um, we went to the first hospital, and they ran tests on me. I had my oh fitting my for my dress in the stroke ward. Um, I was kept in ICU for a couple of days, and that was the weekend of the Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember waking up. I say that because I'm going to tell you the story. I remember waking up in the ICU. Oh my God. And I could hear myself singing, This is me. And I looked over and it was everyone on the ice. Right. And I started crying. And the nurse had come in to, I think, switch out my pat, uh, my uh, cuff, my uh, blood pressure cuff. Mm-hmm. And she said, Isn't that beautiful? And I said, Can you please turn that off? She said, Okay. <laughs> what, a, what a moment. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, yep. I, it took me about three, four days to not be afraid to try and sing again because I was petrified. I was going to pop something else. Um, I went to rehearsal that Wednesday and clearly they had changed their whole thing. (laughs) So they had revamped the whole number. Um, uh, because they were going to bring a bunch of people in to do that whole breakdown and all that stuff. Um, and just show it behind me, which I thought was so positive. Uh, but it didn't happen, so it's fine. Um, anyway, oh, okay. after I went to that rehearsal, I, um, and I was trying to just, just not even talk about it at all. I was like, I'm good, I'm good, let's go, let's go, yeah. let's go. Because I, it was the last obligation that I had for the film, and I wanted to do it. That was what I was fighting for. All the trips and all of the locations, going to Japan and these beautiful experiences, excuse me, and moments where I had, you know, translators wherever, you know, in foreign countries, it was to get to this moment. And I had almost died getting to this moment. And I was like, oh, no, hell no. Oh, hell no. Um, God love him. Justin and Ben was like, okay, we love you. But on standby, just in case you die. He, they didn't really say that. But um, they were like, just in case, Shoshana's standing by. I'm all, great. Great, 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 great. At least I feel better. I can't. I know. Nobody listened, but that's okay. Now maybe you listen. Whatever. They're, I love them so bad. Um, so uh, 
we ended up doing it. And I was, at yeah. the time, I was taking a lot of blood thinners. Well, so to the theater community, I will say, the first uh, rehearsal that I had on stage at the Nokia, um, the, his name's Glenn. I don't, I don't remember what his last name is. He's, he's famous for um, calling and stage managing. He's stage manager of, of every okay. awards season. Um, I forgot his last name. I'm such a jerk. I'm so sorry, Glenn. Um, he came up to me. He walked up the stairs. He came from a spot. Tall, tall guy. And um, he gave me a hug and he said, hey, um, Hugh told us to look after you. And so all of the stagehands, all of the stagehands came out of every nook and cranny to come say hi and give me a hug. And that's when I realized if you don't know what theater is, people, you're missing out. Because they'll always have your back. Always. No matter what. No matter Mm -hmm. how much shit you guys went through and how pissed off you are. At the end of the day, they will always have your back because they know Mm -hmm. and they know that you know and they look after me like nobody's business when i finished that song that Mm -hmm. night in the oscars oh i chilled because everybody was keeping water next to me i had because i was drinking so much water so that i because i was dehydrated Uh which is why it popped here and so i was petrified that it was going to do it again and so i was drinking water nonstop. And with my pills that was like anti-seizure pills I was taking. And everybody around me was like, girl, I'm on those pills. I've been on those pills since the 60s. I was like, okay, cheers. <laughs> I love you, thanks. Thanks for my water. Like all these stagehands, of course, because you know a stagehand. You want to talk about a story. Oh, my God. They are incredible. And I used to be right. one for a very short period of time because of that. Because I knew that when all was said and done, when you leave a theater – those guys, those girls, those men and women will always be there. Always be there. They're there before you are. They're there after you are. They're always there. And that brotherhood and sisterhood is insane. So props to my IA people who are making it through right now. I'm sure they're not listening to this, but I'm just going to shout <laughs> that out. Um, but yeah, even walking on and walking off, I had two guys on the side of me carrying, making sure I could walk and then making sure I could walk off because I was in heels and I hadn't and my dress was long, and I was stepping oh on my, my dress. And I was like, you don't, because you don't get to rehearse it. You really don't get to rehearse it. Wow. Well, first of all, yeah. yeah, that was that night. And then and the, the day that I had rehearsed that week before that night on that Wednesday, I had gone to another doctor because the uh, academy had asked me, and I'm grateful that they did, because that's when I found out. I went to a neurologist at UCLA, Dr. Dr. Wong. Who's also not listening, but he's good. <laughs> um, he uh, he was like, "I'm so excited! You have a grade two, low grade moya moya." I'm all, "Ooh, mm, what is that?" <laughs> and uh, he proceeded to tell me uh, it's how it's a rare disease when there's one side <laughs> of your brain that's not getting blood, and it may have had that for years. It may have had that for decades. Nobody knows if it's hereditary or not, and so. What your amazing brain does is it creates smaller and tinier vessels to get blood that's already over here to the most important parts of over here. Mm. And when that, but they're weaker. So when those vessels pop, that's when you have a TIA. And so they did a surgery. 
after I performed on the Oscars. So they basically cut down, for those of you who are following, (laughs) they cut down the middle of my head. I have all my hair. Yes. They went from the middle to my ear in an arch sort of circular motion Uh all the way to sort of like the front where you would call your temple. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And they opened up my skin on the top of my head, my um, Okay, right. Then they opened up... uh, sort of triangular spot, the bone. So there's titanium plates in my, um, in my skull. And they want to work on the brain and they did two different graphs in two different places. And I got a blood transfusion so that all of my brain could get blood in a proper way. That place is still dark. And there are psychiatric tests that are associated with um, making sure whether or not you really do have this disease because it talks about, you know, when I'm talking to someone and I can be like, Oh my God, I know that person. I can see his face. We went out to lunch. I can't say his Mm. name. I know his name, but I can't say it. It's almost like a scary version of dementia, which is, I feel like it every day. So Mm. I'm really happy that I'm saying your names right now. (laughs) Um, And boy, is it a doozy for self tapes. Oh, I can imagine. (laughs) Um, but yes, so, and, and the graft was successful. And so what it took me about, but what happened was is that because there were new pathways that never got blood before on the left side of my brain, I had to relearn how to talk. I had to relearn how to write. I had to relearn how to actually oh. properly walk. And then I had to learn how to strengthen the right side of my body for when I was trying to use it in the stroke. Wow. Because I was trying to force myself to be okay and it wasn't working. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. mm. You're a survivor. I am so, I, I never, I never knew any of this. Well, I, I, didn't I'm seriously... I didn't I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell yeah. anybody. I didn't want to because I didn't want to be that you guys, mm. you know what I mean? Because every, that's, that's what we do as a culture. Sure. And I'm, I'm not really trying to facilitate that in any way. I'm also just trying to get better for me. Right you know, yes. for anybody else, because, you know, TMZ doesn't feed me. <laughs> people, right. people doesn't check my mail. People, you know, people magazine does not feed my dog. So it's like, it's, it's that basic kind of a thing. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. that. It's just, that's not real, you know? So then after, after you had this procedure and everything, is that when you went on tour with Hugh Jackman? It's interesting. Yes. <laughs> And, and his lovely wife, Deborah. So, yeah, of course, as you know, as you know, Deborah Louie and Huey, they were all his, his beautiful wife, who's like my second mother to me. Um, both of them were in constant contact with me, like daily, like three, four times a day when I had the stroke. And then, I mean, obviously, because he was like, can you please look after her? Please look after oh, her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, again, because he's a douche. Just kidding. <laughs> Um, uh, he's my big, he's no, not big little brother. Um, we, uh, I was just coming out of sort. I also had an accident on Halloween where I ran my head into a brick wall and I was on the gurney and I was there like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I just had surgery for Moya Moya a couple months ago. And I heard all out it. The EMT's going, oh shit, get her on the thing. Literally, they were trying to put me into like all the like the brain scan things, going, everybody check it, they can do it's okay. And it was, it was miraculously enough. And 
it was after that. I mean, I looked amazing for a long time after that because it was just like, wow. Uh, and he was like, I'm so glad you're safe. Do you want to tour with me? Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Um, oh, and I man. said, yeah. I said, yeah. Uh, and that was sort of really the beginning of me healing because I had to not be afraid. Mm-hmm. Mm. Cause you go on stage and you're somebody else and it's very easy to hide behind that. But when you go on stage as, uh, as I did as a performer, that's singing a song, that's pretty much truly how you feel. And you have to recognize that because everybody else is going to recognize that in themselves, no matter mm-hmm. what. Um, it's a big, huge learning curve. Uh, one of the biggest moments was when I went to Mexico City, which is a beautiful, beautiful, let me just say again, beautiful city that is riddled with impoverished people all over the place that are still thriving in spite of it. We went to their arena and it was one of the last places we did on the tour last, actually a year ago, today. Oh, wow. And we, uh, there was, um, the, the crowd was insane. As soon as it started, it was as if a bomb went off and there were high-pitched screams of, it was deafening. It was deafening. And it's, it was so much energy. And I got on stage to sing my part. I only sang one song, you guys. Um, I got on stage, so grateful. They were singing it from the beginning in English. Oh, wow. And... So then in the middle of it, I asked them to sing uh, with me in Spanish. And they did. They just, I just and I wept. I just oh, that's wept. gorgeous. Oh, my God. Because that, that's, that's healing, mm-hmm. right? That's what we vie for, that kind of connection. And that's why I don't take any of those things for granted. And it taught me that. I mean, that's like a six for one in that lesson. Yeah. There. I mean, I learned so much in that and it, it was just such a gift such a such a gift such a gift such a gift oh i mean it's, it's i know you mentioned earlier but it has changed so many lives and and you're such a vessel for this positive message and it's it's a privilege i've learned specifically within these last few months how much of a privilege it is such a privilege and learning you know about because i've gotten i'm telling you guys i've gotten every message you can think of every single one i've gotten messages from people who you know have never spoken before these moments have never talked mm. until they heard the song they've never mentioned anything about who they are i've had people you know tell me hey i had a gun in my hand and i press play and then i put it down and that's, that's, that's tangible. Wow. Mm. And um, it's so humbling to uh, just be a, um, anything for it at all, to give anybody some kind of healing and some kind of affirmation that everything that you are and will be is going to be okay. And it is. Mm. it's just incredible. It's incredible. And it's not, I just, I, I did nothing except just carry the message. That's all I did. And all I will do, all I will do. Well, it's part of who you are too. I mean, you are such a wonderful person. And I know You're very I nice. speak for Connor and I too, like the, the way that you just have gone about sharing your stories and the kindness that you've shown and not just to us, but to so many people, it's, it, it does not go unnoticed. And it shows why you've had longevity throughout your whole career as well. 
<laughs> it's been really, really hard these past few months. Sure. I, you know, just because of, you know, the state of whatever it is that we've been yeah. in, which is so unbelievable. And so, you know, just sort of walking out of that. And again, trying to exist in a place where, hey, you aren't pulling up your phone today to see if you matter. Mm can't do that because you're not in a safe space because of that. So you need to, myself, I'm talking about me when I say you, (laughs) I have to create that space where it is safe to wake up and go today you matter. And today is all that matters in this because you have to start from scratch for you, for me. That's, it's so scary. But again, it's also one of those things where you go, I wish that I could give this to the rest of the world and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, kind of see. Yeah. So I, you know, when we got our new president, I I cried for probably 36 hours. I wept. Mm -hmm. I wept for the soul of this nation because I just need everyone to heal in any way. And to, I mean, for us as a nation, it's interesting because we're in a place Again, because we've been built up and we've built ourselves up to be this great nation that if anybody sees any one of us faltering, it, we're screwed. Mm-hmm. And that's a lie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a lie. And it's that that prevents each of us, myself included, from addressing it mm-hmm. and healing. And um, I, there's, again, people say there's a lot of work to do. There is a lot of work to do. We can walk outside today and breathe and and breathe not in fear Mm -hmm. you know and breathe not scared of in some places you still have to be afraid i mean there (laughs) i mean i don't want to go to the grocery store because i because in my little area it's real real not okay um but uh um and it's you know you and then you look at that and go why is it that why why you know why why are they thinking this? Why do these things matter? Why do these things not even exist in, you know, in that space and time? And, and then you just kind of have to step back and again, say, let me make the space that's safe, that doesn't hurt anyone else, that just illuminates anything that's within it. Um, yeah. So you just keep trying to do that and, you just, and see what happens. Oh my goodness. You, know? oh, you are amazing. You're amazing. Oh my God. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> but we are sadly wrapping up. And we, we like to end every episode on a dose of drama. I feel like I've gotten so many doses of drama today, <laughs> but in a great, in the best way. Um, this could be, you know, a piece of pop culture you've been consuming, anything going on in the world, your personal life, just could be a little interaction you had anywhere. You know, do either of you have a dose of drama today? I kind of do. Yeah, kick, kick, it yes, kick it off. Yeah, go. Yeah, okay. Go, go, go. All right. So I've had a major life change in the last eight days. <laughs> It's not a new, it's, it's, it's not a new boyfriend. It's It not, doesn't have to be. Next. Right. right. It's, and it's not a new, you know, living situation. It's not a new job. It is that I, for the next, you know, until Thanksgiving, have decided to cut added sugars out of my diet. See, that's great. And I feel like a new man because let me tell you, my sugar addiction since it started before the pandemic, but really since the pandemic hit, I am reliant on sugar. It's in the two, three cups of coffee a day that I have. It's 
filled with creamer. It's in the salad dressings and the, the trail mixed with the chocolate in it. That and sounds good. The cookies and the everything. I know I'm getting so hungry. <laughs> oh my God. It's the donuts and everything. And I truly, it, it's not to lose weight or anything like that. It is just- No, it's I just felt, a feel good. I feel yes. like I'm in a fog. I keep saying I feel like I'm in a marshmallow fog, like just cloudy. Yeah. So I, the first four days, my blood sugar was crazy, but it's eight days in and I feel- so much better and i'm just doing this on thanksgiving i'm gonna you know get the pumpkin. here i'll buy it you but listen it is i'm gonna try to make this a part of my everyday life and still enjoy sugar if it's you know on occasion but i feel great and it's drama because i feel like i'm a vegan you know vegans you know i love them they always are like i'm vegan you know they love talking about being a vegan i feel like i'm a vegan now i used to be i'm sugar free Used to, used to be yeah it used to be and then i got into surgery and i was like can i have a turkey sandwich please <laughs> my head just opened up and then they closed it and then there's this like weave braid all the way down the side of my head because they saved my hair thank god oh. for them can i have oh. a turkey sandwich please but good for you <laughs> thank That's you awesome Whew, here we go okay do either of you have a dose of drama yeah i mean i started at the, I mean, as I, as I went through this whole, you need to matter to yourself, matter to yourself, <laughs> learning to love yourself. Yes, um, Whitney. I, well, um, <laughs> I, sort of, sure. I, <laughs> I, I took my dog and I was like, right, it's just us. So let's get to know each other, maybe. So I take her, I started taking her on these long walks. And these long walks went for like a half an hour and then it turned into like 45 minutes and then it turned into like an hour and now it's at a solid hour and a half. And I, I look outside and I see the sky and I, sometimes I see the fire. Sometimes I, you know, I'm able to actually soak in what exists around me. And I also listen, I started listening to podcasts. Yes. Because there, it, it, it was another way for me, for me, safely to connect in so many ways and finding what podcasts would work for me or, you know, stumbling on something else, whether it be Oprah or Aaron Mankey and all of his thousand grim and mild podcasts, which I absolutely am obsessed with. He won't listen to this either, but that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, just finding all of these different outlooks on life and learning that way as well, because I, we can't talk to one another. I think it's, I think it's been, it, that's been a wow drama thing for me because it's changed so much of how I do things every day, which I love. Oh, I need, I need oh, to, I, I need to start that. going on walks. Our dog just, she is so stubborn and does not like to go on longer walks. And so. You're joking. She's an Australian. She, she's have one. Well, she's a, she just wants to go home. She's she just scared, wants to go home and like sniff the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> it's she loves playing in the leaves and i'm like can we just like walk down the street please but anyways yeah can she just chase the leaves mm-hmm. or anything oh my gosh she's wild chases the leaves she's yeah, obsessed sure. what's your story my my drama is gonna be that sam smith released their new album and it's only their second album and i feel like we've had sam smith in like the conversation for years and it is absolutely yeah. gorgeous and Good. i need everyone to listen to it and it feels like the... What's it called? It's called Love Goes. Love Goes, a new album from Sam That's Smith, right. everyone. Right. Available That's on right. all digital music That's platforms. That's right, wherever fine music is found. And it's also, it's um, it feels like the the Adele album we were waiting for, but we just got it from Sam Smith instead for right now, so... Oh, 
that's so cool. We'll get Adele soon, though. Love it. And maybe maybe some new music from you, Kayala. Well, I, I mean, I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah. <gasps> yeah? <gasps> yeah, that, that, yeah, I'm working on that big time. A lot of it is because of this pandemic. And, you know, so many things happen. And then because of this weekend, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you sort of try to figure out where your focus is and where it stays and just then hopefully I actually, it's, it's fun to actually write music over zoom because we are all trying to like stay safe mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. But you have these opportunities again to reconnect with your songwriters. Cause I always have a songwriter with me. Another one, just because I have so many thoughts that are in my head. There's no way I can go. And then you go, Oh, <laughs> uh, what? Like, I can't do that. It's always like, here's this whole entire act one in five yeah. seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, ha- I always have another songwriter who's with me who sort of pairs it down and sort of puts it in the places where it needs to go. And then we go from there. But yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm working on it. Yeah. I am so looking forward to it. Love it. I cannot Thanks. thank you enough for being such a wonderful, wonderful guest and storyteller. This has been so much fun. And I am so grateful that we celebrated a year with you today. Yes, thank you. You're the best. Everyone follow Kayla at at Kayla Settle on Twitter, not on Instagram. Correct. On Instagram, it's real Kayla Settle because I left and then I came back. So if you're not listening, that's cool. But that's okay. I don't care. I'm kind of hiding and it's not really working, but that's okay. It's okay. amazing. And of course, everyone should follow us at the Drama Podcast, me at Dylan McDowell and Connor at Connor McDowell. And year one has been amazing. And I cannot wait for year two. And just thank you to everyone for listening and supporting us. And I sense a new era and a new a new dawn ahead with this with this new Yes. We love you all so much and thank you, Kayla, for everything. Love you guys. Thank Thank you. Stay safe, everyone. All right. We'll see you next time. Drama. Drama.